0: The passage we're looking at today is John chapter 21, verses 15 through 22. So that's John twenty-one, fifteen through 22. That is on page 881 in the Bibles in the pew in front of you. There, I said it right this time. In the Bibles in the pew in front of you, page 881 is where this passage is. So once again, that's John 21, verses 15 through 22. And we're continuing our series here on the life of Peter, and we're looking at uh, the growth that Peter has in his relationship with Jesus, and where that leads him in his life, from a humble fisherman that, that's been called by Jesus, the rabbi, uh, to, uh, to realizing Jesus is more than just a rabbi, he is the Christ, son of the living God. Uh, to Peter's denial of Jesus, being afraid to go to the cross with him. And now today we're going to be looking at uh, Jesus' restoration of Peter, so of their relationship, but then also his calling that Jesus has over his life. So John chapter 21, starting with verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you, do you truly love me more than these? Jesus said, "'Feed my sheep. "'I tell you the truth, "'when you were younger, "'you dressed yourself "'and went where you wanted. "'But when you were old, "'you will stretch out your hands "'and someone else will dress you "'and lead you where you do not want to go. "'Jesus said this to indicate "'the kind of death "'by which Peter would glorify God. "'Then he said to him, "'Follow me.' "'Peter turned and saw the disciple "'whom Jesus loved was following them. "'This was the one who had leaned back "'against Jesus at the supper.' and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Well, I don't know if any of you have ever been in a relationship where you say I love you for the first time, but boy, is that a scary moment in the relationship, isn't it? It's an exciting moment, but it's also a scary moment because, you know, you start dating somebody and you don't know right away if you're in love with them or or if the relationship, how far it's going to go. You just know that you like the other person. And then somewhere along the line, it hits you. Oh, I'm in love with this person. Oh, no, I got to do something about this. That was uh, what my wife and I went through when we were first dating. We were dating for a while. We really liked each other, and then we both just realized one day, oh no, I'm in love. And if you've ever been in love, you know how that just changes everything. And sure enough, uh, I, I forget how many months into the relationship we were in, but we finally said to each other, I love you, and we began to live out that love, and pretty soon that love, of course, was headed to marriage, and we've been married for 12 years. You can clap for that. <laughs> so when <you're laughs> So when you're in love with somebody there's a moment where all of a sudden you realize it. And I think that's what's going on with Peter in this passage with Jesus, is he's realizing that deep down, he actually does love Jesus, and he's beginning to realize what his love for Jesus is actually going to call him to do in his life of following Jesus. Like we said a moment ago, you know, Jesus or uh, Peter was a humble fisherman, and when Jesus called him to be a disciple, In Peter's mind, he was headed out to learn how to be a rabbi just like what Jesus was. And then as Peter gets to know Jesus more, he realizes he's the Messiah. So in Peter's mind, and we see this especially uh, in the book of Matthew where where Peter is is, uh, telling Jesus, no, you can't die on the cross, you're a Messiah. So Peter is ready to go to war. And we actually see this uh, when Jesus is arrested. What does Peter do? Dude pulls out a sword and tries to start a war with the guards that are coming to arrest Jesus. This is a big deal. He chopped a dude's ear off. He wasn't aiming for his ear. He missed the neck. Peter was ready to be a disciple for Jesus. He was ready to start a war so that Jesus could be crowned king and take the land back. And all of a sudden... Peter begins to realize this isn't the kind of war Jesus is starting. It's a spiritual war for the salvation of souls. And so now Peter, after he's denied Jesus three times and, and he's slowly coming back into the group with the other disciples, Jesus takes him aside. And how this happens is actually a, a beautiful story if you look at the full life of Peter. Because what was, what was Peter called from? He was called from being a fisherman. And how was Peter called? If you remember back, uh, Peter wasn't catching any fish on the boat, and then Jesus says, you haven't caught any fish, have you? Try casting on the other side of the boat. And so they do when they get a miraculous catch of fish. That's when Peter sort of sees that Jesus is somebody special. Now what's happening? Jesus comes to Peter when he decides he needs to go back to the life of fishing, And how does Jesus call them? He shouts from the shoreline, you guys haven't caught any fish, have you? They say, no, we haven't. He says, cast your nets on the other side. And as they're casting their nets, I wonder if they're starting to think, boy, this happened to us a few years ago when we were fishermen. And what happens? They catch a miraculous catch of fish. And it's John who looks and says, it's Jesus. And when they start to row the boat ashore, Peter just jumps right into the water and swims to Jesus. He wants to be right next to him. And the scene we're at here today, they've just finished breakfast. Jesus provides them with some with some bread and some fish and he has them bring in their catch of fish alongside and they have breakfast together and and Jesus pulls Peter aside, which is is a really important moment. You don't sort of realize he's pulled aside until a few verses later when it says that the disciple was following them. But Jesus pulls Peter aside and, and wants to talk to him. And, and there's three topics to cover here when he talks to Peter. And the first is just the topic of love. Jesus wants to know from Peter, do you love me? And he asks Peter three times. And, there, and there's all sorts of theories as to why Jesus asks three times. One of the theories is that Peter denied Jesus three times. And so Jesus is asking three different times to sort of cover all three denials. And in Peter's mind, this might be the case where Peter is thinking, I I didn't just deny Jesus. I denied Jesus three different times when he was being arrested. And so when Jesus asks three different times, Peter is responding for each of those denials. Yes, Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. Another idea is that Jesus is is sort of emphatic in his asking of three times where he just wants to drive the point home. Do you actually love me? Let's talk about this relationship. Are you willing to come back in and follow me? And that could very well be the case because we actually see this a number of times throughout the Scripture where things happen in threes. And when they happen in threes, it's sort of the author's way of telling the story three different times, three different ways, so that you and I get the point. Peter truly does love Jesus. Another idea, and I'm stealing this one, but I'll give him credit. Uh, Steve Deneff is a pastor down in Marion, Indiana, and he makes an interesting point. This is the first time in any four of the Gospels that any of Jesus' disciples tell him that they love him. So think about that for a moment. Three years they've been following Jesus. And especially in the book of John, I mean, Jesus, he talks about his love for his disciples so many times. In fact, the last few chapters leading up to Jesus' arrest and death, he's talking with the disciples of the heartfelt love he has for them. And yet, it's not until the very last chapter of one of the Gospels That Jesus finally asks his disciples, you know, it's sort of like, Peter, I love you. Do you love me? Do, Do you love me the way that I love you? And Jesus is asking these questions. Do you love me? And first it's, you know, do you love me more than these? And you sort of get the idea that maybe he's asking over the disciples. Do you love me more than these other disciples? Are you willing to follow me regardless of where these guys go in their life with me? You get the feeling he's asking about being a fisherman. You know, Peter, I know that this is your career. This is your job. You were willing to leave it to follow me. But here you are back to fishing. Do you love me so much that you would leave this again? Think about that. that. That's a really important one. Do you love me more than your aspirations in your career? We knew a pastor uh, back in our last district, the North Michigan district, before we merged here. And and that pastor had a dream of becoming a baseball player. And as the story goes, his call to ministry was heartfelt. He knew he was being called to ministry But he really wanted to be a baseball player. And he said he went to one of the minor league teams to try out, and the goal was that he would start with the minor leagues, be scouted, and move his way up to the major leagues. And he said all he had to do was pitch at 70 miles per hour. Now, first of all, I'm already out. Uh, Little League, World Series, I'm watching those kids pitch at 55, 60 miles per hour. I'm a solid 35. Uh, it's, it's crazy but he said that he was so developed in his ability 70 miles per hour was nothing he said he could go and pitch 70 miles per hour easy so when he showed up for the tryouts he gets to the pitching mound and he throws and he said he couldn't pitch past 55 and so he went to one of the trainers and they said no we, we know you can pitch past this just here let's, let's warm up your arm let's do some stretches let's try it a little bit All day they tried, and he couldn't get past 70. And that's when he realized, my aspirations are not as important as God's calling. And so when Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than any goals you have set for yourself in your career? What he's saying to Peter is, are you actually willing to deny yourself now, pick up your cross, and follow me wherever I go? In all three times when Peter answers this question, do you love me, he's answering this question uh, at least the first two times you get the sense he's he's answering it sort of in the general, uh, sort of a casual response. Like, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I, I, I get it. Yeah, you just ask that question, Lord. I, I love you. You know that I love you. And for Peter, this might be, you know, maybe... Uh, uh, I want to say this gently, but this is the best way I can say it. Uh, For Peter, he may be thinking, well, this is just a trivial question. This is just, this is a trivial question to get us moving in the right direction in the conversation. Yeah, Lord, you know that I love you. And so he's answering it sort of like maybe you as a parent ask your kid, do you love me? And and they don't respond. That's a heartbreaker, isn't it? But then they say, yeah, you, you know I love you, Dad. And then they keep playing. That's sort of Peter's first two responses. And and also, Peter knows that Jesus is the Son of the living God, and he knows that Jesus is a prophet, that that he knows all things. And and Peter even makes that statement, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. But then when we get to the third time, there's a hurt that happens within Peter. Jesus asks him a third time, Do you love me? And it says that Peter was grieved because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And there's a tone switch here in the story where Peter responds and says, Lord, you, you know all things. You know that I love you. And the writer says he was hurt inside. And, you know, to be honest, we, we don't quite know what that means. Oswald Chambers, who wrote the devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest, he says that within Peter there was the realization that he did actually love Jesus and so peter was moving from a head knowledge of his love for Jesus where where he sort of looked over their relationship and and was able to acknowledge yeah yeah based on all of my actions and and you know how i serve you lord i know that i love you you know that i love you and then that third time all of a sudden Maybe the butterflies were in his stomach. Maybe his heart started to pound a little bit more. Now we're moving into this actual, deep, spiritual understanding of what it means to love Jesus Christ. Another uh, uh, famous author, pastor, Dr. Tony Evans, he points out that this is the moment where Peter realizes that his love for Jesus may actually cost him something. And he's actually realizing he wants to give it up. So in the first two times, Jesus says, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yeah, I do. I'll do anything for you, Lord. And it's the third time that it hits Peter, oh my goodness, I actually do love the Lord Jesus. And I'm willing to give up fishing. I'm willing to give up everything in life just to follow him. Whatever happens in this case, what we know is that Peter's response to Jesus does elicit a command from Jesus, all three responses especially. And what's going on here in these responses that Jesus gives is he's given a metaphor of shepherding. And he says each time, to some effect, take care of my sheep. And if you look at different translations Uh, it can can get bogged down a little bit because you have tend my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, shepherd my lambs. And at the end of the day, as I looked at like four different translations with different, I, I walked away and I said, okay, he's just calling Peter to take care of God's sheep. And each three times, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus' response to Peter's love for him is, not just follow me, take care of the people that I send to you. And this is a really extraordinary calling that we have, uh, that we see over Peter's life because Jesus is bringing in a metaphor that he used for himself back in John chapter 10. If you go back to John 10, Jesus is telling a parable, and it's the parable of the good shepherd. And he talks about how the good shepherd takes care of his sheep. The good shepherd makes sure that there's boundaries around his sheep, that they don't go past those boundaries. A good shepherd makes sure that robbers and thieves don't try to get over the fence or through the gate to steal a sheep. But the good shepherd is there and will protect his sheep. And ultimately, what he says about himself, Jesus, is that he's the good shepherd. And not only will he protect his sheep, he'll die for his sheep. You and I are the sheep. We're God's sheep, he's the shepherd, he's the one that takes care of us, and he's willing to die for us, which he has. And so when Jesus says to Peter, I need you to shepherd my sheep because you love me so much, he's actually calling Peter into the ministry of being a shepherd alongside Jesus Christ. This is really extraordinary because if you go back to Ezekiel chapter 34 in the Old Testament, what God says about his people is that they have really bad shepherds. Ezekiel 34, first like five verses, God is saying to his people, you have bad shepherds that aren't feeding you, they're not protecting you, they're not taking care of you, and I will deal with them. So the first few chapters of Ezekiel, God basically says, I'm done with shepherds. And then as you get to the end of Ezekiel 34, what you find out is God says, I'm just going to do it myself. Anybody ever been in that position where you try to watch somebody do your job and you finally say, never mind, I'm just going to do it? Okay, I see one hand. It's okay, you don't have to admit it. Maybe some of you work together and you just went through this this last week, but we've all been in that situation where we watch somebody do a job that we know we can do and then finally we say, you know what, I'll take over. That's what God is doing to his shepherds in the Old Testament as he says, you guys don't know how to shepherd my sheep. I'm going to come down and I'm going to do it myself. And he does. Jesus comes down. He is God in the flesh, and he begins to shepherd his sheep. So now what's happening is after God says, you can't do it, I'm going to do it, he now says to Peter, you can't do it, you're going to do it with me. That's pretty extraordinary. Because now Peter is being brought up to the status of shepherd alongside Jesus Christ. He's now being told that the ministry he's going to partake in is the same ministry that Jesus has over his people, the same ministry God promised his people he would do. Which means any one of us, when we've been called into the ministry, we're not doing it on our own. Me and Pastor Mark are not the shepherds of this church. We're the under-shepherds of this church. Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd of this church we 've just been brought in to shepherd alongside of him and listen to what he has for his people, which includes us as fellow sheep and Peter writes about this in Peter first uh, Peter chapter five, he tells the shepherds or the elders of that church or or of those churches there 's multiple churches he 's writing to, and he says to them. You under-shepherds, be sure to guard the sheep. Be sure to lead with humility. Be sure to lead with strength so that when the chief shepherd comes, you'll be able to brag to him what the church is going through and how, and how you were serving him the whole time. So Jesus calls Peter into this ministry of being a shepherd. And then he explains it even further as we move into the passage and he says, you must follow me. And he, and he gives this prophecy over Peter which in some cases sort of feels sad because he, he tells Peter, you're going to die. You will die for me. And he says, you know, when you were a kid, you were able uh, to, or, or for now, excuse me, for now, you're able to dress yourself but there will be a day where you're not going to be able to dress yourself And you're not going to be able to go where you want to go. And what the writer here is is saying is that Jesus is prophesying over Peter that down the road, he's going to be leading in ministry in such a way that he will be arrested and he will be put to death. I don't know about you, but (laughs) if somebody prophesied over me that I was going to die, I wouldn't take the news very happily. I'd, I'd be a little... Give me a moment to digest this a little bit. I know death is going to happen at some point in my life, but I didn't want anybody to tell me. You know, that's not news you want to hear. But notice when Jesus gives this news to Peter, it's not about Peter's death. It's about the glory he's going to give God in his death. So when he prophesies over Peter, you will die one day, he says, you're going to die, but it's going to be in service to me, and it's going to be in glory to God the Father. And Peter has one last, you might say, moment of apprehension. Let's use that word because that's when he looks back and he notices that one of the disciples is following along this is the disciple whom Jesus loved this is the disciple that leaned back at the last supper in John chapter 13 and and asked Jesus which one of us will betray you and he's following along and he's listening to this conversation and i just love like peter turns around and goes what about him is, is is he gonna die like me? Like, are we all going through this? What, what about that guy? And we've all been there in work where, you know, uh, what, what's, you know, we've all been there with work when you're the responsible one. What happens? You get more work put on you, right? And the, and then what do you usually say when you have more work put on you? What about that person? Why aren't they working as hard as I am? And so Peter does this with John, and and he says, Lord, what about him? And I love Jesus' response because it's sort of this this over-the-top response. And he says, if I want him to live until I return, what's that to you? The point being, why are you looking to this disciple for your calling in my life? And he says it straight to Peter, don't worry about his calling. Don't worry what God is doing with him or what I'm going to speak with him about or what gifts I'm going to give him or where in the church he's going to land. Don't worry about him. And then Jesus ends it with this emphatic statement, you must follow me. The point being to Peter, Peter, if you love me so much as you claim you do and as I know in your heart you truly love me, nothing will stop you from following me whether it's death that glorifies God or it's a fellow Christian that has a different gifting and a different calling. That's not your calling. This is your calling. So what do we do with this passage with Peter? How do we go about applying this to our lives? Well, the first question, and this is the question that guides everything in our Christian life. Do we love Jesus more than these do you love Jesus more than these? Do I love Jesus more than these? And you might have the question, well, what is these? What can we put in there? Everything. Anything that you have in your life will be put into that little, mar- in that little box and marked these. Do you love Jesus more than these? are you willing to give that up for the sake of Jesus Christ? was reading a book a while ago. It's called... Uh, 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 oh, man, I forget the name of the book. But it's a good book. Uh, but the book is about a, a minister who's, who's sort of on loan or sort of interim in France, and and he begins to meet with this philosopher, Albert Camus and the Minister. There we go. That's the name of the book. Uh, But it's about a minister that that is ministering in France, and and somebody comes to meet with him after church. And so he begins to talk with them, and the whole book is about their conversations. And what he begins to find out is the person that he's talking with is a philosopher. Not just are they a philosopher, they're a famous philosopher. Not just are they a philosopher or a famous philosopher, they're a well-known atheist philosopher that does not believe in Christianity, but he has questions. And as the story unfolds, this minister begins to notice that his love for Jesus is growing, this philosopher, and it gets to the point where he reads the Gospels and he states, I have fallen in love with Jesus. That's our goal in our Christian life. Everything else goes by the wayside. Whatever you do in ministry, whatever you do in this church, whatever you do in your own life, whatever you do in this community, does not matter if the first question hasn't been answered. Do you love Jesus more than these? So that's the calling that we have in our life. And, and it's a progressive calling. We're going to grow in our love for Jesus, and we're going to have moments in our Christian life where we give up a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. But the goal eventually is that we would give up so much that we would hurt inside because we realize, oh my goodness, I am in love with Jesus. What does this love cost us? Well, it costs us a calling to ministry. When we love Jesus, it's not just that we love him and we continue the life that we've already been living. When we love him... We're then called by him to participate in his ministry that he's already doing. Jesus has already started a ministry in this church. He's calling somebody to participate in it. Jesus has already started a ministry in our community. He's calling somebody here to participate in it. And what's more is, we're not just talking about lay ministry. And and let me pause right here. Your ministry outside of the pastorate is incredibly important to the kingdom of God. It is incredibly important that you are Christians in the community so that people can see the love of Jesus Christ outside of the role of the pastor. But there is also within the church somebody that is called to the ministry, that is raised up and is called to be a pastor. I don't I don't know about you, but I've seen in all sorts of local churches a kid in Sunday school class that you look at them and you go, Wow, there's something that God is calling that kid to be. We see it in the youth group as as kids begin to speak up in youth group and give their ideas, you start to look back and go, God is calling that kid to the ministry. God is calling that kid to be a vital part of his local church in the world. So are we developing that as a church? Are we encouraging one another to be involved in the ministry that Jesus calls us to? Whether it's lay ministry that we do at our job with our friends out in the community or if it's going to be a full-time vocational role in the ministry that we see over somebody's life and God wants us to speak that into their life. The final point here is Will this be a lifelong commitment? And of course, the goal is yes. We're not just here for a moment. We're not just with God for a season of our life and then we move on to something else. This is a lifelong commitment and where it leads is up to God. The last thing we want to do as Christians is look over at another Christian and say, but God, how come you're blessing them in this way and not us in that way? Do you know what that's called? That's called jealousy. And it gets us nowhere in the Christian life. Jesus wants to remind us today, if I will that that Christian do this or that in my name, what is that to you? You must follow me. So the calling we have on our lives is that we are in love with Jesus Christ and we grow in that love that we're called to a ministry and we know that this is the ministry God has gifted us for and we know this is the direction he's taking us. And it's going to last a lifetime and it's going to be for God's glory. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the ministry that you've called us into as Eau Claire Wesleyan Church, that we are here in this community to serve you to preach the gospel, to save souls, to bring people into a relationship with you, Lord Jesus, to let them know that you love them. God, we thank you that you have called us to this. And what we also thank you, Lord, is that you have given your love to us, that we would know within our hearts we're in love with you and we want to grow in that love for all of eternity. We thank you, Father, for bringing us your Son, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing us to on. If we could have the prayer team come forward. Uh, if you need prayer or would like to pray through something in your life, I encourage you to come up and pray with somebody from our prayer team. Or if you're not able to come up, uh, you can stay in your pew, raise your hand, and somebody will come and pray with you. Let's stand.